Knife. A podcast of the cinema. Who is in Linoleum Knife? Uh, you are Dave White. I am Alonzo Duraldi. We both write reviews at The Wrap. I do other podcasts. We're married to each other. Uh, yes. That's the rundown. <laughs> my, my official professional credentials are that I'm married to you. Oh, stop. <laughs> Not true. Remember when we started this uh, podcast and we just never talked about the fact that we were married, not because we were hiding it, but because we just forgot. <laughs> forgot. We figured you knew or you'd figure it out. <laughs> and then, Somebody pointed out at some point that we should say it, so we say it. But then, but then here's what happened. Um, I know exactly the moment when it happened. On KCRW, uh, where we appear monthly true. on the Press Play with Madeline Brand mm-hmm. show. Have we done June? We did June already, right? We did the, yeah, very the first of the month, weekend. Yeah. Okay. We talked about Fire Island. I forgot about that already. And Benedic- Benediction. Yes. The two gay films of June. <laughs> the only ones. Um, we, um, they, they yes. started referring to us as the husbands, the husbands which I find very sweet and adorable. <laughs> And I remember the first time they said that about us, I thought, oh, okay, so that's a, that's the mnemonic, yeah. right? That's Our how people, sobriquets. That, that's how people remember that. And, and, and there aren't a lot of, I mean, we're the only ones. We're the only ones, right, as far as <laughs> there like professionals are, go. There are, there are uh, uh, men married to men. Who do podcasts. Who do cinema podcasts, but they are doing it because they are movie lovers. Yes. As a side hustle. This is our job. Right. Right. Okay. So, um, not, and that doesn't make us better. No. Just unique. But it makes us the only one. Everyone get out of our way. (laughs) (laughs) Special snowflakes. That Kylie Minogue song, Get Out of My Way, inspired by (laughs) us. Um, so I, I just, I've been rolling that around in my head lately because I, I was trying to remember when did you start saying, and we're married to each other, like on the show? Like I didn't, I don't remember I don't know. when it happened, but we I used think, to not even then I ourselves at all. I, know there the all I, I think the last one, one, a recent episode, we forgot to introduce ourselves entirely. Oh, really? Well, <laughs> I mean, yes, I know ostensibly. You'll, you'll figure it out. <laughs> every episode is, is is potentially someone's first episode, but I mean, come on, really? I Somebody. I guess. Every episode, someone is the first time listener. You're probably right. And then. <laughs> and they're utterly baffled. Maybe they'll and then come back. Ha- and, then, and then hating the guy who sounds like a slow grumble. <laughs> can't, or loving. Can't finish. Most, well, you know what? All right. Sure. <laughs> Them's that stick around. That's really why they're here. The gr- the Grumble, mm. which was, by the way, the name of one of the freakies. Grumble? Grumble. Mm. I believe so, right? Am I wrong about that? Uh, I'll take your word for it. I do not remember the names of the freakies. I have to look that up. Um, see, and this is the kind of obscure cultural, pop cultural <laughs> references that you get from super old people. That's right. Who were children in the 1970s. 1970s serial mascots. Yeah. I, um, that, that's what, okay, you know what? That's what we serve Saturday night. Freakies? 
the breakfast cereal. Oh, there you go. Our mm-hmm. dinner guests, they'll walk in and we're like, guess what, you guys? <laughs> it's a buffet. It's Serve a buffet yourself. of breakfast cereals for dinner. It's like <laughs> a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. Like little pretzels and popcorn on the side. We'll have three different milks. Some toast. <laughs> <laughs> Jelly beans. Uh, to that end regarding uh, Saturday night. Oh, before I forget. Yes. Saturday night, if you are a Patreon person, please do check in with us because we are... Oh, yes. Club uh, meeting of Club meeting June. is this Saturday night, and we are watching The Apple. For pride. For, for gay pride. <laughs> um, in the sauna. Yes. Um, so if you are at the uh, was $12 level... Mm-hmm. And up. And up. You are part of the LK Club Meeting universe where we all sit around and watch a movie at the same time and talk about it on Discord. That's right. We are watching the Apple. What is Patreon? We'll tell you about that later. I mean, you know what Patreon is, but we'll tell you about ours at the end of the show. Sure. Mm -hmm. Ever so briefly, no hard sells. No. We want you to want it. Anyway, friends are also coming over for dinner, and I need you to do me something I need you to continue to toss out uh, uh, summery-ish side dishes okay. that I can swat away and reject. Mm, yes, happy to. Um, because I need ideas. Because I'm, I'm a little, I'm stuck at the moment in my Con- head, in my mind. Congealed salad. <laughs> <laughs> you would make one, that's oh. the thing. Would you like that? I no, no. I don't well, want do vegetables suspended in orange jello. <laughs> Before the summer's over, we're gonna find one I'll tell that you, makes sense, and it's I gonna would, be I would 1965. Try, I would try again. a congealed fruit salad. Please stop using the word congealed. Why don't you call it a gelatin? Because <laughs> that's fruit the word. Salad. Congealed salad. Yes, that's but what congealed. It's makes, a terrible word. It's I a know. blood clot word. <laughs> that is not a food word. Well, okay. Unless you are a person who drinks blood. And yeah, and I'm not. We're not making aspic. Like I, I will eat fruit suspended in a fruit flavored gelatin. I'll try that. Pineapples. Yeah. In grape. Some, in some lime jello. Yeah. Why not? Why not? We'll th- we'll think about it. <laughs> That's not happening Saturday night. No. 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 Um, we have four, four films to talk about. Five. I want you to save the fifth one. Oh, you're going to watch it? Because I am going to watch oh, it good. because I heard you cackling in the back yes, and okay. being very happy uh, about it. And so... That fifth film, if you guys want to watch it yourselves and get caught up when we talk about it next time, is a film called uh, The Best Families, Las Mejores Familias. It How is, is it? Uh, is it... Is it in two languages? As is the title in two languages when you are looking to stream it? If you search, you can search for it as either the Best Families or Las Mejores Familias, and it will come up on HBO Max. It's on HBO Max. Yes, it's in okay. Spanish with English subtitles. Is it in theaters too? Uh, not that I know of. Okay. Uh, I think, the, and and even the the filmmaker actually reached out to me because he was like, "I thought this was going to drop in July, and suddenly it's there now. Please tell people about and, it." And they didn't even tell him. Apparently not. Oh, he was come on. somewhat surprised. Uh, it's, it's the latest film Get from, it together, HBO. from Javier Fuentes León, uh, who's a Peruvian filmmaker. He made the movie Contra Caliente, uh, 
Contracorriente, uh, Undertow, yes. which was the Peruvian Oscar entry a few years ago, yeah. uh, a script that he developed in the Outfest Screenwriters Lab. And this is, I think, his fifth feature? I was fixing to say, Undertow was a queer yeah. film. Is this one? This one is queer-inclusive. Queer-inclusive? Yeah. There's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of... It, it's about two... So we have to share the time with the straight people. We do. Is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. But the, it's about it's about two wealthy families... The, them. <laughs> ...where the wives are sisters and uh, a lot of old secrets get unearthed. It's very, okay. it's very funny. All right. Um, why don't we talk, let's start, because uh, we have both seen Good Luck, Leo Grand. Good luck to you. Good, Good luck Grand. to you, Leo Grand. Yes. We have both seen Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Yes. I have seen Akiara. I have also seen Akiara. Oh, you've seen Akiara. Okay. You, 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 you <laughs> did, uh, thank you. You did remind me you have seen it. I'm stupid. It's just that I forget because you saw it a, quite a while back yes. at like twenty twenty one for a end film of festival related for reason. A, yes, yeah, and so um, so that makes the fourth one the one that I have not seen that I will not go see <laughs> that you have seen, which is Lightyear. Oh right, because I'm just not interested. It's fair, <laughs> and everyone is telling me it's sort of. Eh. It's sort of eh. I mean, yeah. like it. It is, and I'm already hearing the backlash to the backlash. We're like, well, I a, thought it was. I'm not backlashing anybody. I, I just no, 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 haven't I know. been. I mean, but, but people say, I don't know what you wanted for that movie. It was perfectly been entertaining, and it is. It is entertaining. Like it's not. It doesn't just lie there. But when's it a, coming to Disney Plus? <laughs> very soon. I okay, suspect. great. But well, it's I'll you know, check it out. It's a Pixar movie, and. We've come to expect better from Pixar than just like fun and, you know, moves at a clip, yes. you know. And if a Pixar film is in theaters and someone says, oh, yeah, this one, I will lift a finger. Sure. And I will turn the doorknob of my apartment and I will drive the car and then I will sit in the movie theater seat. But if it's a Pixar movie and everyone says, eh, then I think, well, it's going to stream on Disney+. Plus." Any minute. True. And yeah. it's coming on the heels of three really good Pixar movies, all of which did premiere on Disney+. Plus. Yes. Soul. Which I'm told by, you know, people who pay attention to this sort of thing mm -hmm. and think about these sorts of things. Yes. Because I do not. Right. That audiences for uh, Disney animation are now sort of used to sitting on their couch They're, and waiting for it to come to they them. They are kind of conditioned to it now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Soul, uh, Luca, Turning Red, all went right to Disney+. Plus. Soul at least had some theatrical, I think. I can't remember if, if there was theatrical at that point in the pandemic, but the other two, not really. Um, and, you know, like DreamWorks stuff comes out via, I think, Universal, and so that's those open in theaters, and, and they Soul, get a window and in theaters. Soul and, and, and Turning Red and Luca are all quite... Wonderful. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. They're on a roll of like really good stuff, and those one, those they all they dumped to the home audience, and this one, which is not special, uh, gets the big theatrical treatment because it's a brand that people know ostensibly, but it's not because it's not the Buzz Lightyear that you know from other movies. The premise of right. Lightyear is that this is the movie that young Andy went to see in 1995. Yeah. 
that made him want a Buzz Lightyear toy. Yes. So this is the movie of which the Buzz Lightyear we have come to know over the course of the Toy Story films is merchandise for, from. Yeah. Which is, okay, fine. That's <laughs> a lot of levels to work through. It's fine. However, they have no fun with that. Oh. Like, you could do something where... The, the fact that this is supposed to be a 1995 movie could have been a joke in and of itself. Yes. The fact that this is a movie that is in-universe for Pixar could have been a joke in and of itself. And it's not. And instead, they just do this very straightforward kind of space adventure where Buzz Lightyear learns lessons and saves the day. And it's, it's just fine. You know, but it's merely fine. Um, kudos to Pixar for giving us an actual lesbian character yep. that is not just one line of dialogue that can be easily dubbed over in Russian or Mandarin. You know, like this yep. character has a relationship and a family and it's a thing. However, it, there is no... Our universe certainly never saw a 1995 movie not just aimed at kids, a 1995 movie that was released by a major studio that would give the white male hero a black lesbian best friend and mentor. Unless it was specifically a film about gay. Right, and like studios weren't really doing Philadelphia, that. Philadelphia, I mean, The Birdcage. Like, those were, this movie's about AIDS. This movie's about the closet. Yeah, and like, those movies are all about white guys. Correct, yes. <laughs> and that's why... It had to be, back then, in the 90s, it had to be something very, very specific Yeah. Uh, for and a studio the, and, and to say... that was the movie was about. <laughs> for a studio to say, we'll do it, because that would be what the entire film would be about. Sure. Yes. So, so, that, so like, glad you did it, but why this one, where it doesn't fit into the what's supposed to be the... the, the motif? I don't know. It's tough, to, it's tough to say to yourself, yes, I'm glad this is here. Please don't pretend that the past was nice. Yes, it, it's akin to... You know to what I mean? Like, I have two thoughts in my head at the same time. I'm happy you're doing it now. But let's not, let's not forget, 1995 wasn't great. 1985 was worse and yes. exponentially down the decades. Yes. Okay. It, it's, like, it, it's like, you know, obviously on a, to a, on a different level, but it's akin to those uh, when we see those comedies set in 1984 and frat guys are dancing to New Order. No, they, they were not. They were not. <laughs> Unless you had like that one cool guy in the, in the fraternity. <laughs> Who would know, do the mixtapes. You would be, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm going to DJ the party, man. <laughs> um, so that's... Uh, so yeah, Lightyear, yeah, kind of a letdown. Yeah. Look, if yeah. you have kids... How does it look? Does it look cool at it least? I mean, Pixar cool. does yes. something usually that makes me happy, uh, you know, in a visual sense. Yeah, there are these like hyperspace sequences that look really cool. There's a there's an adorable sidekick character who's very funny, this robot cat named Socks. Okay. Um, you know, and and I think, and I don't mean to, this to sound condescending, but like if you have children and you take them, they will be entertained. Okay. It just, for me, as somebody who loves the Toy Story movies so much, like yeah. I think Toy Story 3 is one of the best films of the last 20 years. Yeah. Uh, you know, if we're going to get into that pool, then I have higher expectations. Yeah, I just, I, I don't 
have uh, Toy Story expectations. <laughs> okay. The, I, I, I mean, Toy Story 4 was kind of okay. I, it was kind of whatever, but it I have always moments. enjoyed the Toy Story films. Mm-hmm. You're right. Three is great. Yeah. Um, but I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not a person who gets excited about franchises. Well, unless it's the purge, and and they've played that all out. You know what I mean? Like it became a TV show, and I don't think they're doing the movies anymore. Well, like like Matt Zollersites always makes it a point, or not always, but he has said before that that critics, along with the word content, that he thinks we should never use. Yes, he also gets suspicious about the use of the word franchise as opposed to series yes you know and and i think franchise is sort of looking at it from the sort of businessy angle point of view well that those are that's the reason these films are well of course yes unquestionably and always have been but i think that the toy story sniffed i think the toy story (laughs) films do represent a series an ongoing series and and they have you are right you know and but but this is a franchise movie this is kind of a cash-in that's separated from adjacent to but still branded with the 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 name you know and 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 which is not in and of itself a bad thing except that this movie is not interesting let's move on then let's to another uh film that we dislike (laughs) getting all the bile out of the way early (laughs) i don't feel bilious Toward this film. I just don't feel anything. <laughs> I feel nothing. Um, Connor Rafe. Yes. Uh, is a young filmmaker. He's like 24, 25, something like that. A couple years ago, he had a film. Uh, here comes the title. Shithouse. That was the name of the movie. Oh, we're going to say that. Okay. Well, I mean, that's the name of the movie. It is the name of the movie. It's the name of the movie. This is otherwise a clean podcast, yes. but that's the name of the movie. And I did not see it, but Nor did I. people seemed to enjoy it. And now he's got a new film called Cha Cha Real Smooth. Yes, premiered at Sundance this year. Apple TV picked it up for a lot of money. And there's also a bit of a theatrical uh, life Some, for it yes. as well. So it might be at a movie theater in your town. It is written, produced, edited, acted in, directed by Connor Rafe. Cooper Rafe. Cooper Rafe? Cooper Rafe. Why do I call him Connor? Is Connor his name in the movie? Uh, no. They're just both very, you know, he could be a Connor very easily, but he is a Cooper. He's a Cooper. Pardon me. I am sorry. Cooper Rafe, I hope you're not listening to this podcast because we don't like your movie. I'm very sorry to I'm report. Sorry, Mr. Rafe. Um, he stars as an aimless young man, and you know what? I don't even want to say the character is aimless. The character is living life as it presents itself right now. You graduate from college, and it doesn't even matter what kind of fancy college it was. He, his character has gone to Tulane. Right. You graduate from college, and if you can find a nice job straight out of college then God bless you because it is not the norm anymore. Would you be surprised to learn that Cooper Rafe is from Dallas? He's from Dallas, and he went to uh, Green Hill, I yeah. think, which is like a very fancy private school in North Dallas. I used to work with uh, a young woman who went there. Mm. Um, 
And uh, so anyway, uh, his character works at a hot dog on a stick. Yeah. Basically. Because he can't find any other work. And he's sort of mooning over his girlfriend who has gone up to Barcelona to on Barcelona. a Fulbright scholarship. He gets sort of corralled into going to a bar mitzvah with his younger brother. And at that bar mitzvah, he kind of gets the party started. And all the moms that see him at the bar mitzvah are like, we want to hire you to be our like uh, hype man, hype man at the at the at the at the, at the party at the bar mitzvahs. This movie is not mitzvahs. this movie is not as good as the episode of Happy Endings, where they become like rival hype men at bar mitzvahs. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, in this process, he meets a young single mother played by Dakota Johnson, who I think is an executive producer. I believe on so. The film. Um, she has a daughter with autism. Uh, played by a young... Vanessa Burkhart. Is that the actress's name? Vanessa Burkhart is the actress's name. She also has autism. She does. Uh, I do not know... I mean, we have a person in our family with autism, and I think the, the, the situation with films is that when there's so little out there in the way, in the way of representation, the burden of representation becomes a lot. And so I don't know how this film treats that subject very well. Um, I think that the character is arguably the most interesting character. Oh, she in the fully movie. is. She absolutely um, is. And I, 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 I mean, this obviously to me and what do I know? It didn't, it didn't feel like it was, it smacked of condescension. No, not at all. Not at all. Um, but I'm, I'm saying this because I don't know from a, from a very personal, intimate perspective. Sure what it gets right or what it gets wrong. Well, and the thing is, you know, autism, they, it's called a spectrum for a reason. Yes. It, 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 Again, it manifests. that's what I said. There's, it's not a monolithic thing. Exactly. And, 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 and so, like, there just aren't enough media representations of people with autism for any one film to get everything right sure. the way everybody would want to get yeah. right. Um, no one's come out and said, boo, to this So far, movie, no, that yeah. I know of, so... The film is about these parties and about the romance that he embarks on with Dakota Johnson. And that would be enough if I felt like the script had anything to tell me about these characters, about who they are and why they do what they do. What's interesting about them as people? This guy and this single mom. Dakota Johnson sort of exists to, you know, be his girlfriend. Uh, well, to provide life lessons, I think. That too. Uh, this is another one of those movies, and they very often premiere at Sundance, featuring young, attractive, white writer-director actors making movies about the beautiful damaged women that help them become more fully adults. Yeah. This is a, this is a trope we've seen before. It's, if you've seen Garden State. And I seen... don't mind that as a trope. What I mind is when I'm bored out of my gourd <laughs> watching it. Yeah, Cooper Reef is not 
as magnetic a movie star as the director thinks that he is. Listen, dude made, wrote, produced, directed, acted. He, he's not sitting around waiting for something to happen in his life. Sure. He's out here making movies. That's really hard work. And congratulations. You've got a career now and you've got other projects lined up. And you're going places. But he's made a movie in which almost every scene is about him yes. or other characters talking about him. Yeah. And it gets old fast and I didn't care. And I was much more interested in Dakota Johnson, except in her relationship with him. Yeah. Everything else about her I found much more interesting. Dakota Johnson's daughter I found very interesting, except pretty much her relationship with this guy. Um the brother seemed like it was it could be an interesting character. Uh, uh, the mother, played by Leslie Mann, who right. is bipolar. Yeah. The, the grumpy stepfather, played by. Uh, I will uh, complain about one thing. What's that? This this young man, Brad Garrett. This character treats his stepfather like garbage. I think we're meant to know that, though. I don't think we're meant to be on like, yeah, way to get him. I think we're meant to think like, what's your problem? But he never has. No one ever says to him. Hey, why do you treat him like that? Why are you such a pain in the ass? But he does eventually have a scene with the, I don't know, maybe maybe, maybe I'm just, maybe I was scolding him so hard, I assume the movie was too. <laughs> maybe I'm misreading that entirely and just, just trying to give it that bit of grace. Right. Yeah, I, this movie just really annoyed me. I will say kudos to whatever art director had to design all those different bar mitzvah themes because yeah. they're all themed. Yeah, and fun. Yeah. I can't say I hate this movie. You know, I want this guy. He's obviously going to become a presence in the world of film and or television. And, you know, I, what's the last movie? I'm always rooting for someone to do something that's worth the effort they put into it. And he put a lot of effort into this. He's 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 spitting like nine plates as a creative person in this. I just didn't care about... This is not for me. This movie's not for me. What's the last movie that you even remember seeing Edward Burns in? Edward Burns is also not for me. Neither is Zach Braff. Yeah, like this the, guy pops these, up every these, so these often. These guys in these movies are not for me. Yeah. I am not interested in them. I am not interested in their stories. I'm waiting for one of them to make a movie that I find, you know, engaging. In the same way that I said, like, you know, the idea of a a Hallmark Christmas movie about a boring same-sex couple with no passion in their relationship will feel like a moment of equality <laughs> when a mediocre, hot, gay auteur gets this kind of treatment the way that his predecessors have. That, too, will feel like something of a moment of equality. But, yeah, this is just... Ugh, I do hate this movie because I feel like I've seen it before and didn't like it then. No, I've seen it. I've seen it before too, and it it kind of chases its own tail. Yeah. Um, as these films tend to do. Yeah. They they make people think specific things about independent cinema, <laughs> and I wish that we didn't have to keep having examples of it. Yeah. Uh, I would have liked for Raul Castillo to have punched him at some point, <laughs> but he's too adult for that. I will not. <laughs> I'm too grown. 
Um, all right, well, let's 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 kick this one to the curb too. Yeah. All right. Good luck to you, Leo Grand. Why don't so, you take away take it away with the plot? Oh, sure. Okay, this is also a Sundance premiere, um, and it is the kind of movie that you suspect maybe was a play, will be a play, but is is no less interesting for it. Uh, so Emma Thompson plays. Okay, the IMDb thing says she's fifty five. I seem to recall her character in the movie saying she's like 61 or something. Let's split the difference. She's okay. my age. She's Fine. 58. All right. Okay. Okay. Uh, she is a widow. I don't know how old Emma Thompson actually is. 60? Uh, one moment. I'll tell you. She is, uh, she turned 63 in April. Okay. Um, so in that neighborhood. She plays a, a retired school teacher, a widow. She has adult children. And uh, we first see her sort of pacing nervously around a pretty nice, you know, London hotel room. Mm-hmm. She has hired a sex worker whose name is Leo Grand, um, played by Daryl McCormick. Yep. And He's uh, on Peaky Blinders. He's on Peaky Blinders. And uh, she, you know, it, 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 it emerges in their conversations that are tentative at first and then, and then more flowing, uh, that she has only ever had sex with one man, who was her husband, uh, she never enjoyed it. There was never any pleasure there. And she doesn't expect to, like, have the big O, but at least wants to sort of get an idea of... The big O. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, such a, that's such a vintage expression. <laughs> Go on, keep talking. But she still, but she wants to at least sort of, like, have, have, have sex in a way that, you know, to find out what all the shouting is about. Yeah, and he's very happy to uh, to to you know provide that for her, his client, and uh, this unfolds over a series of meetings and three, four, five meetings. Yeah, the course of the film. Yeah. And you know, as they as they grow closer, she maybe starts asking too many questions about his life outside of the room, and he doesn't really want to divulge that to her. And she starts doing some sleuthing. He is not very happy about that. Um, yeah, because it's a complete invasion of his privacy. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And at the end, the movie, you know, calls her out for that. Yes. Um, but you know, and then it lets her off the hook. Man, but okay, we'll just we'll move we'll move past that. I anyway, suppose. it does, and it be, it becomes this thing where they they do. Each of them grows in one way or another because of the other one. And that sounds like it could be really twee or insufferable, but it is not because the central performances are so good. I think. Um, this this could have gone south in a lot of ways, and I don't think it does because Emma Thompson and Daryl McCormick are so uh, they have such a great you know scene partnership. They bounce off each other really well. They have really good chemistry together. Um, they know where the jokes are. They know where the drama is, and frankly, the fact that a movie exists about a woman over fifty seeking sexual pleasure. Is is a rare event. Like the last one I can think of was was Hope Springs, which I also liked, and um, the Julianne Moore remake of uh, what was that movie called? Gloria. Gloria. Oh, right. Gloria. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. True. 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 Yeah. Um. This is. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> this movie's fine. Um. If you like. Acting, you'll get a lot of it. I adore Emma Thompson. Yes. 
I was enthusiastic to sit down and watch this film starring Emma Thompson. Much like we were saying earlier, when so few films come along, the burden of representation that are about this subject, yeah, you know, about a, a woman in her 50s or early 60s wanting, needing, exploring her sexuality. Not just her sexuality, the pursuit of pleasure. Yes. Fulfillment. Which is its own wonderful, life-giving reward. Yeah. Okay. When there are so few, so few films made about this subject, it's a bit of a rock in my shoe <laughs> that it's about a woman who like, is completely locked out of that. And the whole point of the movie is getting her to that place. That's just me. Having said that, you know, if you had made a woman, you made a movie about a woman who was, and women wrote this and directed it. So if, if they had made a film about a woman who was already there, already sexually fulfilled and was like, you know, uh, uh, navigating various lovers, right? And how that all worked out. For me, that would be a more interesting situation. <laughs> so if it had been a different movie entirely, entirely yes. <laughs> I, I I I get that if you start a character from zero, mm-hmm. that there's room for anyone who's watching to say, oh, that's me, sort of, but not this much. Or, you know what I mean? Like, there's more room to identify with something specifically along the way. Sure. Um, and for some people, all the, the entire way. Perhaps, yes. It is not a given that people are sexually active. Anyone. Or sexually educated. Yeah. So, on that level, I appreciated it. Uh, it feels a little, uh, uh, like, kind of hemmed in. You know, it all takes place in hotel rooms. Obviously, it's a COVID production. You're right. You know. Um, I like the fact they give her a line that she says the show is booked to the same hotel room, so she doesn't have to learn to negotiate a new space. <laughs> right. That I listen now. I understand that, but um, because we don't see them doing much uh, of you know actual sexual stuff. Mm-hmm. For me, the 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 the, the time between meetings. Ostensibly, they have spent a certain amount of time in that hotel room doing something. Mm -hmm. But it seems like they haven't accomplished very much by the time they get to meeting number three or four. And I'm like, what are you paying for that? If you you haven't experienced the stuff that you want... Uh, I disagree. It doesn't feel like there's been a lot of uh, forward momentum. I I think if you're paying attention to her body language, for instance... Absolutely. As a performance, she becomes more uh, sort of possessed of her of yeah. herself. I think we, I think each meeting. But I'm talking about the dialogue where they say, "Well, we haven't done this yet," and I was like, "Well, weren't you supposed well, to do that like two meetings ago? <laughs> well, How come it hasn't happened?" But I think, yeah. I, but but she sort of like announces what it is she wants to do, and then a lot of times, once 
they're in the middle of is like oh, 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 slow down, you know, right, which right. is fine and and understandable and probably true to life. Uh, but no, I I got the impression even if we weren't seeing stuff and even if they weren't necessarily checking ticking off the boxes as it were, you could tell that she is a different person each time and she yes. is improving and 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 yeah becoming more comfortable in her own skin through the process of these meetings and so I didn't feel like we were being cheated out of that stuff because I I felt like the end results were were written on her face you know yes um so yeah it is sort of ridiculous of me to want an entirely different film <laughs> a little bit yeah mm-hmm. um I think what I am getting at is that it felt a little tentative hmm. even when everything was resolved even when they'd both grown and learned something which I know you never like that. It's another <laughs> another thing I'm not super into in movies, the growing and the learning. Um, I take it on a case-by-case basis. Yeah. Sell it to me the right way. Sure. Yeah. And, and John, John Waters always and like, they, kinda, they learn. They kind of do. I mean, the end kind of does sell it really well. There's another character who pops in. Yes. Uh, a former student of Emma Thompson's, a character named Becky, played mm-hmm. by Isabella Laughlin. Um she shows up for five minutes and like walks away with <laughs> the scene she's in. Um, and that's a hard scene to steal. <laughs> I Did I want something more? Did I want something different? Did I want something funnier? Did you want, what's... Oh, did I want Emma Thompson to have like a better orgasm than the one her character actually has did i don't you, know what did you it want, is I want was it intimacy is that the name of the movie with uh, carrie fox okay well and mark rylance <laughs> okay there's this movie from like almost 20 years ago now called intimacy from yeah. patrice uh Chiro with mark rylance and carrie fox and they actually have actual sex actual sex on screen you see it go down um that is not what i'm talking about okay i'm talking about Something more full and something more alive. I mean, there there is something a little tidy. I can't quite put my finger on what's frustrating it's me a, about the, it. The structure is very inherently tidy in the same way as something like same time next year. Yeah. You know. Same time next week is really what Essentially, this is. yeah. You know, so like... I, I like Daryl McCormick's performance. He's quite good. Um, He is essentially a male model. <laughs> and... Uh, and so that unnerves her character, and I I appreciated that dialogue yeah. about you know my body is this and your body is that, and would you be attracted to me? Like those kinds of questions are really I think valuable ones to to, to have in a film. So I did appreciate that, um, and I did not dislike it. I just wanted to like it more. Okay, that's and fair. I wanted to feel. Like I had seen something more full and satisfying. I think I had a certain expectation of what I was going to get, and it was pretty much fulfilled, and so I was okay with that. Yeah. Uh, and finally, Akiara, is this opening where? It has been open for about three, four weeks now. Okay, bopping around art house cinemas. Mm. Uh, it's been in Los Angeles. It's been in Los Angeles movie theaters for about. A month, which is you know, oh, crazy. Of course, it's down to one show a day at the Lumiere right but now, but it's still which there. Is where I saw it. So, um, do you live in Los Angeles? Do you think you like the art house? <laughs> How come you're not at the Lumiere? 
Yes. When I go to the Lumiere, you know how many people are in those screening rooms? Like two. Support the Lumiere. They like do two. They do really good bookings. Uh, they are truly independent, and they show about eight or nine movies a pop, uh, like once or twice a day. Like the, the show times are staggered and abbreviated uh, in terms of the scheduling, but you know, it's a former Lemley Theater. Remember that it exists, please. Yeah. Go there, because I show up in the afternoon. Admittedly, a Monday afternoon at one p.m. Like that's not a huge. Movie going time for say, people. Peak hours. It's right? my favorite time to go to a movie. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I don't... Audiences are not packing that place, and it bums me out. And I want you guys to... You live in Los Angeles. Get it together. We don't have an arc light anymore. Yeah. The landmark, on the, landmark. the landmark on Pico is done. The Pasadena Lemley 7 is shifting gears, and now they're going to be the landmark. Right, not... But come on, that's Pasadena. I'm not driving all the way out to Pasadena. <laughs> yeah, no, the music hall is great. I, you know, uh, similarly, the people in Pasadena are like, "Oh, you want me to drive to Beverly Hills yeah, to oh, the, hell no. to see a movie?" Yeah, uh, I, you know, <laughs> uh, I, 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 you know what I bet really it was a blow to that neighborhood as far as like foot traffic and people catching a movie at night and stuff. What? The closing of Kate Mantellini. I mean, maybe. I bet you. That uh, a lot of the... I never ate at Kate Mantellini. Really? Oh, no. I got taken there. I never like. Yeah, you got taken there. <laughs> Someone like I. I first of all, I don't have an agent to to take me to Kate Mantellini, so I my agent never took me to. Kate Mantellini. <laughs> the late Ed Margulies, when he was my editor at Movie Line, liked to go to Kate Mantellini, and he took me a couple of times. I've been to some functions there that like studios held, um, and it was mostly. On its way out the door by the time we moved here, was it not? Am I, I wrong about I that? I guess. But when it, did it, it close? It, it, like, I don't know, in the late 2000s? I forget. It was a restaurant, a very buzzy restaurant, yes. directly across the street from this movie theater. Yes. Yeah. And so I, I bet you a lot of the older clientele of the, back when it was the Lemley Music Hall, they would be like, oh, well, you know, we'll have dinner at Kate Mantellini and we'll go see a movie or vice versa. And so I, I think that's that really well, they took a hit when that closed, unfortunately. Get it together, audiences. <laughs> Go do it in Los Angeles. So anyway, um, Jonas Carpinano, uh, Itali- well, he's born in the United States, but he's he's in he lives in Italy and he's an Italian filmmaker. Uh, this is the third film from him that are it's all sort of a trilogy. Um, the first one was called. Uh, Mediterranea, yeah, like 2015-ish, about uh, a pair of uh, men who immigrate to Italy uh, from Africa and the problems they experience mm. when they when they get there. Uh, in 2017, a was the next one, and told the story of a Roma family through the eyes of a 13-year-old boy and their life of sort of subsistence and petty crime and their aspirations to, you know, better uh, crime venues. Yes. (laughs) So that they didn't, you know, so we weren't having to, like, rig up the electrical wires to get free electricity, that kind of thing. Right. 
a better life. This one uh, is about a 15-year-old uh, Italian girl whose existence is fairly routine. At the beginning of the film, we we learn uh, her name is her name is Chiara, played by uh, Swami Rotolo. Yes, and very much like uh, Asiambra, the family that you see on screen are a, a, a family, a real family, all acting for the first time, performing as characters who are a family. Yeah. Okay. So it happened, and he did this with, with Asiambra. He did it with, he's doing it here as well. So her 18-year-old sister is played by her 18-year-old sister. Her five-year-old sister is played by her five-year-old sister. Her parents play her parents. Like, uh, you know, licorice pizza. Because, yeah, kind of. <laughs> I mean, a little. Um, her, her, her existence is fairly routine. She has, you know, school friends. They look down on the Roma kids mm-hmm. at their school, which will come back uh, into the narrative later on in the film. It's her sister's 18th birthday. She steps outside. She's having a smoke with her friends, and the friends are like, your dad's going to kill you if he catches you smoking. You are too young to smoke. And she's like, get away from me. You smoked when you were 15, too, like her older brother or Mm. older cousin or something. And you think, oh, this is just this little slice of life about a girl growing up. Yeah. And then a car explodes. Yes. <laughs> and it's her father's car, and she doesn't know why, and then her father disappears, and then she learns on the news that her father is a fugitive and is involved in some sort of crime. Drug trafficking, you know, organized crime. We don't know what, because he has vanished. The mom is like, you don't need to know what's going on. You're just a kid. He puts a roof over your head. That's all you need. That's to all know. you need to know. It's complicated. Yeah. But she is. Now, when you were 15, y'all know. <laughs> it's different from being 14. <laughs> You're grown. You know things. You know things. You need adults to speak to you like you're an adult because you're an adult now. You're 15. Uh, so she becomes uh, a sleuth. Fearless, like unafraid of dangerous looking things. You know, oh, there's a, there's a, there's a trap door in our home. Where does it go? I'll just climb down into the dark and find out. Like that kind of thing. Um. I'm going to go to where I, uh, uh, to where I know someone who knows my father might know where my father is. And we're going to go out into a field and there's another trap door in the middle of a field. (laughs) Am I going to go down that hole? Sure. I'm 15. You can't do anything to stop me. Which is part of the bravado of being 15. And I think also part of the bravado of being that guy's daughter. And being angry about being lied to. 
Right. But, and but, not but, having the information that you think you deserve. Absolutely. But yeah. I think also there is that assumption of like, if my father is indeed this figure of some power, yeah. what could happen to me? Right. <laughs> right. So she spends the film chasing down the truth. Yeah. And running afoul of the uh, Roma kids that she mocked earlier in the film, including... If you have seen Asiambra, yes, and if you have seen uh, Mediterranean, here comes that same boy, Pio Amato, <laughs> who was the star of Asiambra. He pops up uh, as a kid who accidentally threw a firework in her direction, and she confronts him. He's like, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't really mean to do. It was an accident. I didn't mean for it to come near you." Um, but the minute I saw his face, I was like, hey. <laughs> He's the Jean-Pierre uh, Leo. I know your for, face. For Jonas I remember you from a few years back, five years back. Yeah, five years back. Um, you may be grown now, but you still look like you're 13 in the face. Mm. So. Um, he kind of reminds me of that kid who was in um, River's Edge. And he's like the young vampire in Near Dark. You know what I'm talking about? He like no. He like looked like a kid and an evil adult at the same time. <laughs> uh, sure, I don't know. Um, Asiambra and Mediterranea were both in the style uh, of the Dardenne brothers, very documentary uh, like, very neorealist, mm-hmm. um, in a way that felt. Like you, like what you were watching. You were watching real people playing versions, sort of, of themselves. Right. And so here, uh, he has shifted gears a little bit. There is more uh, uh, conventional narrative taking place. Mm-hmm. There's there's a score. <laughs> Rather than just simply diegetic music right. popping in and out, um, there is more atmospheric, uh, sort of figurative speech in terms of camera work. Things that are not there that she's seeing, yeah, you know, um, and so it it represents a shift stylistically for him, uh, and it is still though as 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 tough as tough-minded and uh, you know engaging as the other two, you don't need to see all three of these films to appreciate whichever one you're watching, because it's not strictly sequels. Right. Characters will carry over it's in small ways, but it, exactly. <laughs> I wouldn't even call it a series. I mean, no, it, not even that. It it's... is a it is a trilogy, but it is. They are sort of tangentially related. Yeah. And they are exploring, you know, uh, 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 this area of, uh, of Italy. Right. And all the, you know, facets of it with people who are struggling to survive or, you know, uh, existing in a sort of marginal way, whether or not they're making, you know, money. Are they doing something that is uh, approved by the world or not approved by the world? Right. Um, and what are their relative statuses? Yes. Based on where they come from, who they are, what assumptions they have about their own, uh, 
you know, seniority in the world, <laughs> right? That sort of thing. Uh, I, I like this a lot, and 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 uh, uh, and I'm blanking on her name. The star of the Swami Rotolo. Swami Rotolo, thank you. She's great. She's it's her first time in front of a camera, and she carries it all. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. like she is one of those people that that you you can't believe has never acted before because she just is so in it. She runs. Me. She runs the room. Yeah, <laughs> when she's in it. I have to say, Carpignano um, is one of those filmmakers who I find myself admiring his work more than responding to it in a visceral way. Like I don't love his movies and I don't even necessarily feel moved by his movies, but yeah. I can watch them be like, ah, I see what you're doing and I can appreciate the craft. And I understand that you are hewing to certain, you know, neo-realist traditions while yes. at the same time putting on your own spin and way and all that stuff. But I don't, I don't love any of his movies the way that I love something like say happy as lots you know, which is also an Italian film about marginalized I, people. I understand. Um, so, you know, I, and that could be just be me, and I'm hoping at some point I kind of get past that block I have with this guy, and I haven't seen Mediterranea. But of Asiambra and Akiara, I'm, both of them are sort of like, yes, well, well done. I see what you're doing, but I'm not, it's not punching me in the stomach. I think, I would, like I said earlier, I would most, I would most associate him with the Dardens. Sure. And they often go for your emotions in a very quiet, very subtle way, mm -hmm. and you do feel it. Oh, sure. When their films uh, are, you know, when, they when, really you're, work, when, you're, yeah. when you're experiencing them. Um, he does not aim to pull you that way, I don't mm. think. Maybe. Um, at least he hasn't, and so I understand what you're getting at. You you can watch his films and say that was really good, um, without taking it to your heart, and you know, and that's just maybe the way I watch movies and what I want from movies, and so yeah, I'm willing to acknowledge that the, the, this could be my shortcomings and not. I don't need to have a feeling when the movie's over. Well, it's because you're dead inside. A little, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Y'all, Patreon. Yes. Patreon.com slash linoleum knife is where you go to uh, pay us money. And get more of this. And get more of whatever it is we're doing here, but in different ways. We have a TV podcast. We have a podcast that is all about food. Uh, we have a podcast that is all about whatever the hell we want it to be about. And we have another podcast that we take one older film and talk about it extensively. Yes. Uh, those shows are called... Linoleum Knife presents more Linoleum Knife, LKTV, Linoleum Knife and Fork, and Linoleum Nights. Because on Linoleum Nights, we work blue. We, you know what? Nobody knows what that means anymore. <laughs> I know. That's why it's funny to say. It sounds like, oh, oh, Red Fox is on the bill tonight. Well, we know what that means. He works blue. Um, it's an old showbizism. It meant the comedians who, who used four-letter words. Wait, Lenny Bruce it up on yeah. Linoleum Nights. <laughs> And that was live on, live on a video on right, Facebook, right and early on Sunday mornings. That's right. When you really want your intensity. Yeah. Uh, our most recent linoleum knife presents more linoleum knife. We went back and watched uh, Milos Forman's Ragtime, which just got put out on Blu-ray with the theatrical version, but also at the a, end of 2021, it came out on Blu-ray. 
what did yeah, I just say? Just put out. Okay, recently. We're in the summer of 2020. Fine, right it now. took us a while to get to it. It did. Uh, but it also includes the uh, a work print of Foreman's Cut, which has quite a few differences. Yeah. An entire character that was taken out. Uh, and we talked about both versions. So, you know, things like that. Linoleum, sorry, it's uh, patreon.com slash linoleum knife. Um, letters? We got some letters. This is, first of all, there's a five-star review. Yes. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We'll read it on the show, even when all you write is... Well, this is from WW Girl. Girl. Say it like Elizabeth McGovern in Downton Abbey. Girl. Girl. <laughs> With the girl-like desserts. <laughs> WW Girl says, best film podcast, five stars. Thank you. We'll take it. Bury that one star review. <laughs> Bury it. <laughs> I will low grumble. Sorry, I will slow grumble until I'm in the grave. That's right. You know why? Because that's how I talk all day. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Trust me. Uh, Julia says, hi. Helvetica and Futura. <laughs> Which one are you? Well, uh, I'm Comic Sans. Oh, stop it. <laughs> I'm Helvetica because I'm thicker. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're the you're whatever fought is the Mary Tyler Moore show. Uh, that's, oh, that's that's what you thank are. Thank you. Uh, he says a typeface is the collection of letters designed in a style. Okay. A font is a specific setting for that typeface. So we are talking about typefaces. Uh, okay. And we are talking about the things with various names. Gotcha. Helvetica and Futura are typefaces. 10-point Helvetica, light italic, or 15-point Helvetica, bold, are fonts. Okay. Thank you. Now we've learned more things. It, it, see, the listeners teach us as much as we teach anybody else. Lauren says, I liked Alonzo's Helvetica and Futura joke. I'm a graphic designer who likes documentaries, though, so I'm the overlap in that very specific Venn diagram. <laughs> Fun facts. A typeface is a particular design of letters, glyphs, uh, marks, etc. A font is a collection of those letters within the typeface that might be found in different light weights. Bold, heavy, light, italics, small caps, etc. Within a typeface, there are many fonts. Typeface relates to when we actually had to use physical letters set in place to print. The term font is so widely misused that it replaces typeface now. It takes a particular sort of person to make a big deal of it. Oh, I intend to start. Oh, yeah. Believe me. For sure. You're, 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 you are listening to a podcast co-hosted by a man who watches <laughs> things on his headphones. And I always know what is happening on screen when he says... And me. <laughs> As though he were just stabbed a little in the soul. Me, it makes me insane when people say, and I, when they mean and me. I is a subject, me is an object. Sound, saying and I incorrectly does not make you sound smarter. To the, quite to the contrary. <laughs> I hope. That films and television never stop doing this. <laughs> because it's such a pleasure to hear you... Be unhappy? Be unhappy like that. It's such a pleasure to hear you go, And me! <laughs> well, 
<laughs> well, I'm glad you like it because I'm I not do. stopping. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Julia says, I haven't really had a chance to watch Futura. This is the uh, Italian documentary. Uh, the three filmmakers. Where they ask young people what their thoughts are on the future. Yeah. But as an, ex- as an Italian expatriate, I'm a bit wary of its cultural generaliz- generalizability. Mm. Um, and yeah, of course. I mean, like, there, you can't fully generalize this. And, and I don't really, if I didn't explain it well enough, I don't think the filmmakers are trying to generalize anything. They're going after very specific opinions from these kids. The subjects of the film yeah. are speaking for themselves, not for their generation. Right. And some of them, you know, when you're young, you do like to generalize well, and say, sure. this is how the world is, you know. Everybody agrees with me but on the this. But the movie understands this is gotcha. happening. Okay. Uh, she continues, roughly 25, roughly 25 years of super corrupt government then a massive economic crisis, then more political instability, then COVID have really wrecked the cultural and social tissue of the country. Of course, not everything is terrible, but optimism is just not a thing anymore. And it's not generational, it's everyone. And it's a terrible shame. Well, that's what is happening in the United States as yeah. well. And you're, you're, you are also right that it is also not generational because I've talked to people of all ages in, the, in this country uh, friends, people I know who live in other states, people I know who live here, people of all ages who are like, we're doomed. This country is doomed. Yeah. And so get ready. Mm. I believe she had a second email. She does. And I'm uh, pulling it up right now. Oh, and having grown up working class in Italy, the one thing I did not buy about the movie Hustle was that a construction worker from Spain would not be... Uh, a, totally jaded about any type of your mama insult, having heard <laughs> the absolute worst since kindergarten, and B, have an answer ready. Okay, maybe not in English, but... <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Uh, Robert says, Hi, Alonzo and Dave. I watched On the Count of Three recently and really enjoyed how it balanced finding humor in a very dark subject. One of my favorite aspects of the film was the needle drop of Last Resort by Papa Roach, (laughs) which is used as both a joke and a serious moment of insight into the characters. It got me thinking about what makes a good needle drop. Some of my favorite recent examples include the recurring use of Bye 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 in Red Rocket Mm, and the car chase set to Heartbreaker by Pat Benatar in Nobody. Mm. What are some of your favorite needle drops in film? You know what's funny, Robert? We did a whole episode of Linoleum Nights about this not long ago. Can you think of a recent film that was used that used an overdone needle drop, for example, Fortunate Son or Let's Get It On, in a way that transcended the cliche? Thanks as always. It is a weekly. Thanks as always for the show. It is a weekly source of comfort to be able to check in with you both. Oh, thank you. Uh, Actually, I have a an overused song that two movies. Well, one that's a little older, but that I ju- that's just now getting to the to the lower forty eight uh, for the first time, and one from a few years ago. Uh, the Rolling Stones song "Sympathy for the Devil," overdone to death oh, in yeah. movies. Oh yeah. However, mm-hmm. uh, crazy C R A Z Y the the uh, Jean Marc Vallée film that is finally now available on streaming in the U S. after not being available for a long time. His his breakthrough film from I think two thousand five, yeah, um, has a does uses it really well in, in a very clever way in a memorable scene, and also the 
con artist movie Focus with Will Smith and Margot Robbie mm-hmm. used it in a really clever way in that at first you think, oh God, I can't believe this movie is using Sympathy for the Devil. It's so obvious. And they keep using it and keep using it. And then you find out why. And that it actually ties into like this scam they're pulling. And it's brilliant. I was I was like, oh, movie, you fooled me, you know. And yeah. so, uh, so yeah, that that's one that leaps to mind. Where a song that I thought I never wanted to hear in a movie again, and then somebody figured out new ways to use it. Um, briefly, if you don't feel like going to listen to the Linoleum Nights episode, um, the overused needle drop that I still can't get enough of is Donna Summer's "I Feel Love." <laughs> um, you can listen. Put it in a dog food commercial, and I'll be like, "Stop! I'm watching the commercial." Never, never get, never get tired of it. I'm waiting for someone to reincorporate Smash Mouth's All Star into something to see where they can, how they can flip it on its head. Sure, yeah. Oh, because about 20 years ago, it became beyond ubiquitous. Yeah, a song I hate that was used repeatedly in a film I like to wonderful narrative means. Alonzo, why don't you just say it? Uh, it trains drops of Jupiter yeah. in other people. I was just about Can't to bring that one up. stand that song. <laughs> but other people... The name of the film is Other, other people. people. It's the name yeah. of the film, yeah. Very, Jesse Plemons, Molly uh, Shannon. Yeah, Molly Shannon won an Independent yeah. Spirit Award for it. Uh, a, a wonderful film that you should see from the from the from the, from the co-creator of the other two yes. on HBO Max, which is the greatest TV which is show. So wonderful. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the drops of Jupiter. You think, oh god, this thing, and then by the end of the movie, you're you're weeping. It's amazing. Yeah, uh, that was quite a trick uh, to pull off. Finally, last letter, Grant, the movie and TV guy. What are your thoughts on seeing movies by yourselves? I was unaware of this, but apparently there is a social stigma attached to seeing movies alone as opposed to with company. I would love to know your thoughts. Oh, <laughs> this has been a thing in this our relationship an, the whole time we've known each other. Not only has it been a thing in our relationship, but it's been a thing on this podcast where we seem to routinely bring this subject seems to keep coming back up. People ask us about it or we talk about it. So if you've heard us go off on this before, I'm sorry, we're going to do it again. Um, I have spent my life running to movie theaters to avoid people. And I mean my life. I was a child in the early 1970s where it was perfectly socially acceptable to drive your seven-year-old to a movie theater and drop them off. For two hours. Alone. Give that kid money, let him go watch Snoopy Come Home, Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, whatever the kid movie was that Saturday, drop him off, pick him up in two hours. Your kid will be fine. That's the way it was. It was 1972. And I was never more annoyed than when my little brother or my friends in the neighborhood all said, we want to go. And I was, a friend is getting water out of the water cooler right now. That's that noise you're hearing. No, it's fine. Um, because when that happened, what that meant was... Your beautiful solitude. My beautiful solitude, and I wanted it. <laughs> my beautiful eight-year-old solitude was being 
disrupted by my obnoxious friends and my obnoxious little brother who wouldn't be quiet and behave in the movie. And often it also meant a mom was with us. Didn't matter which one. One of them was the, you know. Chaperone. You can drop one kid off at a movie theater, but you can't drop six. Yeah. And expect them not to get in trouble with each other. Right. So, like, the day would be... I still got to go to the movie, so it was still a win. But I always wanted to go off and sit by myself somewhere else in the theater rather than with... The, the gaggle. The gaggle of, of <laughs> friends and brother that I was with. Um, I have never loved being with another human being in a movie theater more than I love being by myself. And I say this as someone who loves to go to the movies with friends, and I love to go to the movies with my husband. But if I can go alone, <laughs> it's like I've built a little fort and I'm hiding and no one can touch me and no one can be near me and no one's talking to me and everyone is leaving me alone. It's the best thing in the world. I, I rarely do it anymore. I, I tend to go to the movies with friends or with you. Um, I infrequently go by myself. But when I do, it's a special, it's a special treat. I was conditioned as a child to go to the movies with other people. And I don't know, thinking back on it now, like, was this something that my parents insisted upon that I couldn't go to the movies by myself, that I had to right. have a friend to go with me or that yeah. I wanted? I, I honestly don't remember. All I know is that throughout my childhood, I would find a friend to hang out with me on the weekend and we'd go to a movie. Um, friends. And it was fine. <laughs> and, I, you know, and that's just what I got used to. And Who so needs them? As an adult, for me, it was weird to go to the movies by myself, which you thought was the craziest thing the you'd ever heard. The funniest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. I have Film critic doesn't in, want to go to a movie in by In the himself. last decade or two, however, yeah. I'm much more open to it. And it's usually because it's work anyway. And so I'll go to a screening by myself. Maybe I'll see somebody over there. Maybe I won't. Uh, I will buy a ticket to go to a movie by myself because I have to see it for work. And if I, if I go alone, I'm not going to like desperately call like four people. Oh, hey, you want to go to this movie? Yeah. Like I'll just go and it's fine. I had a little notebook. <laughs> As a child? Yes. Oh, of course. You I had did. a little <laughs> notebook. And sometimes I would take it to the movie. So that I could write down the name of the movie mm-hmm. and when I saw it mm-hmm. and my thoughts. <laughs> I wish you had any of these notebooks. Give it today. a little star review, a oh, little star man. rating. And another kid saw me and was like, what are you doing? It's a kid from my school. Uh-huh. It was at the movie theater. It's like, what are you doing? What's that notebook? And I was like, shut up and leave me alone. <laughs> You're not here. This isn't happening. Like... <laughs> Have we met? <laughs> you don't like me at school? You're not my friend here? We don't know each other. <laughs> Leave See, me in my notebook alone. I wanted to be a film critic from, from a very early age, and I never did that. I had a little, had a little notebook. <laughs> and I didn't understand that, A, that was weird. I didn't understand until I remember this very distinctly. I was a senior in high school, and my English teacher was talking about how nobody likes to go to the movies alone. Only sad, lonely people do that. <laughs> and I was like, I do it all the time. Objection. Yeah. I, I raised my hand, and oh, I said, I love it. I know why you were carrying a notebook. Why? Harriet the Spy. Well, yes. <laughs> Your childhood role model. <laughs> my childhood Harriet role the model. Spy. Harriet the Spy. 
listen, believe me, I wrote down things about that terrible kid from school sure that day. I'm sure you did. Ask me about my notebook. End him. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, now that I am a, a mature, grown-up, fifty-eight-year-old uh, man. Yes. It is. It is. It is a pleasure. Uh, to attend the cinema with my dearest friends and my husband. And uh, But if none of them are available, <laughs> or if I'm having a day where I'm like, I want to be alone, <laughs> I will go off, be by myself, and I will be so, it will give me so much pleasure. And I, as a 55-year-old, will go by myself and be okay with it. Yeah. I'm doing it this week, in fact. So, you know. So, so goes life. You are. All right. Well, that's our time. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, do please subscribe to this podcast uh, at Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. We'll read it on the air. Um, check out my other podcasts, please. Um, Breakfast All Day, Maximum Film, Deck the Hallmark. Uh, Christmas in July is coming up on uh, the Hallmark Channel, so there's going to be some fun stuff happening at Deck the Hallmark. And uh, there might also be a bonus Patreon episode with uh, some of our good friends who also like watching these cable Christmas movies, doing a little um, you know, discussion of what's happening in July, so keep an eye peeled for that as well. Uh, this podcast also um, streams in many places, including... Uh, Spotify and Stitcher and uh, thelounge.com and Google Play and Apple Music, pa- CastBox, Podbean, most of the, most anywhere you can find podcasts, we are there. Um, Do you know what? What? We have one more letter to read. What? Oh, no. I, 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 okay, you have at it. I'm getting some more water. <laughs> Shoddy is on the ball. Shoddy is ready to talk about a film we already talked about this episode. Oh, yeah, she doesn't wait for it to hear what she, we have to she, say. <laughs> Why should she? I'm, nor should she. <laughs> Here we go. Let me clear my throat. Dear David Alonzo, just as you guys pa- hate painfully earnest gay movies from Hollywood, I hated this movie about a middle-aged woman who is finally ready to sow her wild oats. Okay. I generally adore Emma Thompson, of course, and I know our world is full of prim and proper housewives who are hungry to experience their first orgasm, but this movie would have bored the life out of my grandmother on an airplane in 1995. Ooh. Hollywood is full of movies that tell you how we are all capable of unspeakable violence at any moment, but this movie tells you that Emma Thompson has not had a genuine twisted thought in her mind for 50 plus years and given that the writer and director of this movie are both women i just wanted to tell them oh honey if you only knew the things your mama had fantasized about in her youth (laughs) i recommend your listeners watch three seasons of netflix's sex education with jillian anderson before you check out this film festival twee schlock wow p.s i'm not watching any more godzilla movies or jurassic movies or fast and furious movies until they are all in the same movie (laughs) (laughs) oh we can dream (laughs) shoddy your letters are a blessing to this show (laughs) okay now we're done scorching um Thank you, Blue, for our theme music. Check out all of his wonderful stuff at bluebleu.bandcamp.com. Uh, follow us at Bf- follow us at Linoleum Cast. Sorry, uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And get uh, your podcasts. Together. I know this you is do too... this one first. Yes, this is you're married to this I, one. I am. I am. You're only <laughs> stepping out with those others. <laughs> Drop us an email for money at Linoleum. <laughs> 
I'm the Leo Grand of podcasts. <laughs> uh, drop us a line at linoleumpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. We will catch you next time. Until then. Goodbye. <laughs>